Welcome to The Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ella Wright, and this is our third episode. Thanks for joining. Hi everyone. I was trying to get weekly podcast episodes up and uh, I've put every Friday and it's Tuesday so I'm a little behind but there's been a lot going on in my life and I found it was difficult to step away and have the space to be able to record something but um, I have mentioned that I'm planning to use this space to be able to talk about the challenges of trying to figure out new ways of knowing and being in the world when we know that what's here isn't working and we're trying to change, but then we realize that even trying in and of itself is very much a a fixed mindset and that part of change is surrender and opening yourself up to other ways of being and knowing beyond the dominant culture. And in the last episode, I talked a little bit about the HEADS UP acronym And we focused mainly on H, which is hegemony or hegemony, depending on how you pronounce it, and how without realizing we can replicate or reproduce patterns. And that particular acronym is part of, I suppose, what would be called scholarship that looks at coloniality and modernity, or the current single story narrative in the world. But I've actually found it to be so useful in all aspects of my life. Because sometimes I find myself responding a certain way to something or thinking about something and feeling something and then sitting with it and unpacking it and realizing, oh, I've been here before. I remember this feeling. And I find myself, especially if it's discomfort, immediately wanting anxiety or discomfort to go away or anger. I'm not someone who... I was raised to show anger. I I have a family system whereby we often suppress anger and make everything okay as quick as possible. And so I'm learning as well to feel anger and to be angry because all of those things, all of those emotions are valid on the spectrum or within the sea of emotions that as humans we experience. And so there's quite a lot of things happening in my life right now. And I found myself, as I often do, waking up with a start at 4 a.m. with my mind just bursting full of ideas and my soul, my spirit, my heart, whatever you wish to call it, telling me something very strongly. So I sat there with this swirl of ideas in my mind and I thought, I better start writing. And as I started writing it down, on my phone, surrounded by sleeping children, (laughs) quietly as possible without the light waking them up, I realized, oh yeah, I've been here before. So I thought I would share with you um, what I wrote because I feel like perhaps it might help you uh, if you're someone who's currently going through anything where you're having to stop and feel and accept and maybe you're not quite ready to accept where you are, what's happening. So this is what I wrote, and um, I'll read it to you now for this week's post. I realized my heart is speaking to me. 
my soul is speaking to me. I'm not going to use the term, my heart broke, or I have a broken heart, because I don't really think that describes the thing. The thing is all of the things. It's been speaking to me for a long time, this soul or this heart or myself. And I think it has a wound. And that wound is saying, hey you, I'm here, listen to me. So I'm listening. It means that I've put everything else on hold, reluctantly at first. And like many of you, especially those who have been sick recently, I'm so behind, behind on tasks, behind on things I have to get done, behind on even processing the processing of what's going on. And I'm so behind, I don't even want to think about it. But as I write this at 5.09 a.m., I see the words and my heart says to me, My love, you are not behind. You are not that rabbit with pink eyes and a pocket watch, constantly running late to an important date. With who? The Queen of Hearts? That's her agenda. That's not your path. Instead, I realize I'm right where I need to be. Unfortunately, this current spot involves a lot of pain, suffering, sadness, and grief. Equally, you wouldn't see it if you saw me. Every day I wake up and am equal parts happy, equal parts devastated. It's yet another expression of hegemonic demand for certainty that creeps into our ways of being and knowing. What I do know is that I have these parts of me. They are in awe of myself and the world and all that is possible. They are in love with the spring sun that has just arrived, the flowers blooming. I think about how spring has come to this place every year around this time for millions of years. And at the same time, my soul stands on this earth and really needs it to hold me up, to really hold me. I need something to hold me. I hold everyone else in my life, but who holds me? I really feel like I just need to collapse onto the soil and let my tears flow into the direction of the earth in a way that I'm so excited to let go of and to realize that the direction that I had been excited about in my life is not actually the way. I keep coming back to the realization that all I've been doing all along is trying to meet my unmet needs and that I've been trying to create a life where my children don't have the same gaping wounds that I do. Or at least when they're wounded, we can go to that wound together and hold each other while they learn what gifts and medicines help it to heal. I know I can't always be there with them at all of the sites of their wounds, nor do my medicines work to fix all of their wounds. And also, if I spent all of my time tending to their wounds, I wouldn't have time for my own. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't have so many goddamn wounds 
So I go back to this space of sitting, of thinking, and feeling into my wounds. And I suppose that even though I want to accept where I'm at, so I can just move on already and not feel this suffering deep in the pit of my stomach, this hurt bubble, this yearning for calm. That's not how it works. So I'm here with everything else on hold reluctantly. Just being. Trying to exist in these other ways of being and knowing. I just read Dougal Hines' new book, and I'll come back to that in another episode. But in that book, he named someone named Chris Good. And Chris Good wrote a book called The Forest and the Field, Changing Theater in a Changing World. And this is in 2015. And this passage stuck with me for how I feel in this present moment. The passage says, and I quote, My sense is that only seldom is the problem that we don't know, or at any rate, that we don't know enough. The real problem is that we don't have a living space which to fully know what we know, in which to confront the knowledge and respond to it emotionally without immediately becoming entrenched in a position of fear, denial, and hopelessness. And I'll say that again. The passage says that it's seldom that we don't know something or that we don't know enough and if we only knew more, things would get better. The real problem is that we do know but we don't have a living space in which to fully know what we know which Dougald refers to as the knowing, the emotionally attached, present, embodied feeling of saying, oh, here I am, fear, denial, hopelessness, to open our arms and let it in, and to confront it emotionally. And this sticks with me because... As someone who thinks a lot and over-intellectualizes as a way of coping, my counselors are often saying, Hey, Ella, you're thinking a lot up here, pointing at their temple and their, their head. What's going on inside you? What are you feeling? And at times like this, when I'm in the crisis of just trying to keep everything afloat, all the balls in the air, fearing that if I drop one, lives depend on it, I'm someone, as I said, with three young children, and I also have two other family members in my home who rely on me. And I'm always afraid that I'll drop a ball. And so, as many of us do, I put myself on hold to make sure I don't drop their balls. And so, to sit and feel the embodied overflow of emotion is not really a possibility for me right now. Where can I go to be held, to fall apart, and to fall apart beautifully, and to be held? It's not a possibility. 
there is no time in my calendar <laughs> for this type of activity. And it's really difficult. And so I keep thinking about this idea of confronting the grief, the hopelessness, the despair, and to find a way to let that channel through me. I recently took a grief course, and in that course they talked about the importance of the land holding us up. And they reminded us that even if you feel you may not have a family member or a friend or a partner available to catch you when you just need to be held. The earth is a living metabolism. The more than human world, whatever you wish to call it, is always there. You can go out to the trees. You can lie on the grass. You can dig a hole and pour your fears and your thoughts into that hole at the beach or by a river stream and let the water run over it and know that there are other beings around you to which we are inextricably linked to hold us up. And so I'm going to be brave this week and I'm going to go somewhere and let the earth hold me. And for me, I'm, I'm struggling this week with the idea of visions and wanting to move towards a vision where I live more sustainably as a steward of the land and I teach my children and raise them in a way that they don't have the same wounds from modernity and all of its toxicity that I experienced and that I continue to experience and that we continue to experience every day. And I know it's not possible to shield them from it. It's our reality. But I had this vision of trying to at least change our ways of being and knowing, if it's possible, so that our children can have connections to this living world that can help hold them up and to find medicines and to share medicines and knowledge with the more than human world so that they can be supported in a different way and perhaps they won't have the same feeling of loss and grief that I have. So I wrote this post at 4.30 in the morning and I'll share as well my own vision and the struggles of trying to realize a vision when I use the word trying because the only tools I have come from modernity and coloniality. And so it's really hard to think and construct and come up with new ways of being when there sometimes is a need to act and I just don't know where to turn. So I had a vision for our family and it's not working out as I'd envisioned. I wanted someone I could rely on I wanted someone to take on projects with me. I wanted a cob house. I wanted to spend the summer learning how to build cob with my kids running around in the forest and then one day get a piece of land and build this dream cob house and live sustainably. I wanted a village of people around me, perhaps who build their own places on this land with whom I can share a relational embodied real community. I want a partner who can sense my needs and meet all of them. And I want 
and wanted to feel loved, held, and understood. And I realized when I was writing those things as if they're in the past that I still want those things. And actually, I need those things. Not the specifics of the Cobb house. Not the specifics of having the perfect partner who can meet all of my needs. We all know that's not possible. And we also know that for those of us who have young children, it's really impossible to meet all of your partner's needs when you're servicing and in service of this relational community that energetically requires so much from you in these early years. But I still have these unmet needs. And where are they coming from? They're coming from wounds that haven't healed. Places I haven't been to to grieve, to tend to these wounds, to understand them, to find gifts and medicine, perhaps from others, to heal them. And underlying all of that, I realized my unmet needs are to be loved and cherished and respected and most importantly, understood. That's a big one for me. Do you ever feel that way? Like you want to live your truest self, your authentic self, whatever the words are to describe it. Live in line with the flow, the energetic flows of the world and the seasons. And yet it's hard to meet others who find Similar views, especially those of us who are thinking about a, another world in another way of being and knowing. And so I realized everything I've been doing, the vision I have in my mind, has been driven in a way by wounds and by my unmet needs. So my idea of a house and a garden, growing food sustainably close to the ocean, visiting on a kayak, the creatures of the ocean and swimming in the cold salt water and walking into the trees and breathing in the scent of moss and undergrowth and deep forest comes from a need to be cherished and understood and connected to everything around me. My idea and ideals, I suppose, of building community working with people that I've sponsored to come and live with us and be part of our family, the friends I'm making in my community, the ideas of having land and all building houses around it together, you know, wanting my closest friends who aren't here to move here and be close is because I haven't felt connected in a community and in a village. I feel so individualized, again, in part due to the nature of our society. And I've been focusing particularly my PhD research looking at other ways of being and knowing and creating some sort of school or educational opportunity that embraces these non-dominant ways of knowing and being without extraction and consumption and romanticization, particularly of indigenous ways of being and knowing, which are non-dominant ways of being and knowing. And I'm doing all of that because I don't want my children to go through the standard public school system that I think is failing and is is a responsible part of why we're failing as a society. And so I'm trying to meet my needs for something different to raise them differently. So really everything I'm doing is around unmet needs. And as I connect into the earth and pay more attention to what's happening around me, 
I really feel like I'm listening to the more than human world and I'm realizing that there's unmet needs there as well and there's voices and souls and spirits and stories that are speaking and it's really confusing and overwhelming. So I don't think in summary calling this a broken heart is the right way because is it really our heart? Our heart is connected to everything within us, but we're connected to everything beyond us. And can a heart really break? Or is it more that there are these messages and these stories bubbling within us? And if we just find a way to step back and to think about what Chris Good says around, it's not that we don't know. It's that to move from knowledge to knowing means we have to confront emotionally in an embodied way what's entrenched in our positions of fear and denial and hopelessness. And so that's my goal is to try as best I can to embrace the grief, anger, fear, despair, to let it sit with me, pass through me, be a part of me to go out and empty it with the land, to share it, to let it hold me, and to see what comes next, rather than trying to think my way out of it, to numb the suffering through standard means that we all do, we all have our own numbing. And instead, I'm just going to try to not try, and to fully embrace knowing by just being. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you'd like to leave a message, you can through the podcast. You can leave voice messages. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And wherever you are, I hope you're embracing all the parts of you, knowing that you're not late for a very important date. You're right where you need to be.